Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is gonna be fresh, it's gonna be real, and it's gonna be powerful. It's gonna help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's gonna put faith on the inside of you. It's gonna cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the word, God bless you. Moment of confession from your pastor. I, just give you a little insight into the inner workings of me. If you were to open up my Spotify right now and see the kind of music I listen to, um, my, like, when you know Spotify like curates playlists for you and makes suggestions, I love really depressing music. And literally my playlists, I know my wife, like if, if it's not rainbows and butterflies, she hates it, so it's a constant struggle in our household. But like literally my suggested playlists like are called sad bops, life sucks, breakup songs. Like that's what Spotify pitches me because they know what I like. I, I just, I don't know why, I love it. I love sad songs. And um, I was listening to, and I'm saying all that to, you know, I'm going to quote a lyric from a song that just kind of got, was the genesis for this message, and I, it's a depressing song, so don't go listen to it if you can't handle it, okay? I, I don't know what it is. I just love, even, even movies, I love, like, emotionally devastating movies. I love to, that, that people can make art that, like, really moves you. I just, I don't know, I love it. It's, you know, I'm very secure. I, I have the joy of the Lord, and so I can handle it. If you can't, then, you know, don't, it's all good. But there's a song I was listening to that came up on one of my very sad playlists. And um, it's a song written by a, a man named Ben Gibbard, who's the lead singer of a band called um, Death Cab for Cutie. And great band. I know the name's a little weird, but they're cool, I promise. And uh, in the song, he says, Catholic school Vicious as Roman rule, I got my knuckles bruised by a lady in black. I held my tongue as she told me, son, fear is the heart of love, and so I never went back. And so you have this man that had this, this interaction with harsh religion and this idea of the fear of God being intertwined with the love of God, and he couldn't reconcile it. And, and it just repelled him from faith and, and, and religion altogether. And really got me thinking on this concept of the fear of the Lord. And here at Awaken Church, we go pretty hard against fear. It's like a curse word here. Like, it's very, you know, we, we even, I mean, we have a song called Fearless. We taught, literally in the offering message, Pastor Jurgen said like nine times, don't fear recession, don't fear lack, don't fear, and we're, we are all about not fearing things, right? It's like, but, but, fear is actually a very good, very natural, wired into you by God emotion that you are meant to feel. You're actually not meant to be fearless. And actually, it's really dangerous if you have zero fear. That's not a good thing. Fear is what keeps you safe. I, and people that know me well know this, I am terrified, like pathologically. 
of bears. They are the most terrifying creatures to me in the world. And it's not, you know, it's not like a weird, there's a difference between a fear and a phobia. Phobia is where thing, you know, like I, I don't like think that a bear's gonna jump out of line at Chick-fil-A and eat me, you know, it's, I, it's, it's very appropriate. But when I'm in the wilderness, I am very afraid that I am in this creature's domain. I am not, I am, this is not my home, this is your home. And I am terrified of bears. Now, guess what? My fear has served me well because I have never been attacked by a bear. My fear has kept me safe. I don't wander off into the wilderness with a pork chop tied around my neck because of my fear of bears. It has actually kept me safe. And fear is meant to keep you safe. Okay, so I gotta unpack a couple things and I'm, I'm gonna, I need to spend a little bit of time on the setup and then I'm gonna have three really, really quick points. But it's important to understand the realities of fear and the importance of fear. Listen to me, fear keeps you safe if the object of your fear does indeed pose the greatest dangerous threat to you, okay? Now you gotta hear me on this, this is very important. So imagine, anybody here scared of spiders? Come on, yep, spiders are yucky, very natural. A lot of people have phobias about spiders and that's, you know, they're weird. I, they got eight legs and it just, it's unnatural. I, I don't know, I'm gonna get to heaven, God, I'm, God why'd, you, why'd you make those? You could have made them nicer looking. Anyway, so people have fears of spiders. But imagine you're in a burning building. The building is literally falling down around you and you're running out of the building but in the hallway between you and the exit is a spider. And you just freeze, you say, I can't. And you're so terrified of this spider that you actually don't leave the burning building. The building poses, the burning building poses way more of a threat to your safety than the spider. But there are people that their fear is misplaced and in that situation, that's a silly situation, hopefully there's nobody that's, that's not real, hopefully. But in that situation, you actually are not fearing the thing that poses the most danger to you, the burning building, and you fear this spider that is in your way. It's a silly example, but I'll give you um, a more tangible example. You know, we hear all the time these, these terrible stories of, of people, most of the time it's women, um, not always, but most of the time it's women that, that stay in physically abusive relationships. And it's the fear of either being alone, the fear of the unknown of what their abusive partner is gonna do, that, that actually keeps them in this relationship that poses a very real threat to them right now. And actually it's a misplaced fear. Instead of fearing appropriately and letting your fight or flight response do what is biologically meant to do and remove you from danger, you actually fear the wrong thing. And, and we hear these, these terrible stories of these um, people that stay in these very, very dangerous, abusive relationships because of misplaced fear. I'll give you a biblical example now. Exodus chapter 20. Um, I'm gonna set this up. It's gonna be on the screen here in just one second, but uh, this is right after God gives um, Moses the Ten Commandments. And so Moses, you know, the story goes up on Mount Sinai and has this encounter with God. And the Bible says that as Moses is up there and, and the presence of God descends down, that there's lightning and thunder and it's very ominous and, and scary. 
and Moses gets the Ten Commandments. And then the Israelites say, this is literally right after the Tenth Commandments. This is Exodus chapter 20, um, starting in verse 18. This is right after the, the Tenth Commandment is, is given. And it says um, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So you have all these Israelites and like God's reading off the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou, and literally like after every one, they're like, ooh. And instead of being drawn to the God of the law, they are terrified of the law because of the condemnation and the shame that it brings them. And it's, again, misplaced fear. Instead of fearing, and it's so, it's so interesting, right? It's kind of like, Moses, you need to get your, get your facts together because he says, fear not, but fear him. So it's like, make up your mind. What is it? Should we fear nobody? Should we fear not, but fear him? I think that's the title of my message. I don't remember what I called it. Fear not, fear me. There we go. Message title. And the Israelites had a misplaced fear. They feared the wrong thing. I'll give you another uh, practical example from my own life, and it's going to get a little heavy in here for a minute. In 2020, um, a lot of you know the story. Katie and I took over um, as the pastors of this church on January 5th, 2020. It was amazing. Life was awesome. We were loving it. And then about six weeks later, the whole world exploded and our church fell apart. We were like, no, please don't leave. No, I'm sorry. No, come back. Don't oh, all unraveling. I had a brand new business. My business was in trouble. And then in, in July, my older sister took her own life. And it was amid the, the shutdowns and the lockdowns, and she was, there was no churches. She, she lived in Dallas, Texas. There was no churches, no restaurants, no friends couldn't get together, um, all, all, you know, by these, these mandates of the government. And so, and listen, I want to be delicate here. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that, that COVID-19 is not a real thing. It's, I, I've had it, and it's, you know, I, it was not fun. It sucked. And there was a lot of people in our church that did get sick, but I'm telling you, we saw a nation with misplaced fear. Fear that, and, and in the case of, of my sister, because of misplaced fear of our government, of, of society as a whole, we feared this virus, which is very real and can make you sick, no denying that, but we feared this virus instead of fearing the thing that we need. What my sister needed way more than not getting COVID was to be around other human beings, to be around people. And so we saw an entire year plus of, of nationwide, worldwide misplaced fear. Again, not, it's in the same, you know, spiders are scary in the situation I gave of the burning building. Like, spiders are scary. I get it, but there's more scary things. And in the case of more than we need to not be, and listen, no one likes being sick. That's, it's no fun. If you have a fever, don't come give me a hug, okay? Well, I'll high five and, and we'll hang out later, okay? I get it. But what we need way more than not getting sick 
is to come to the house of God, to worship together, to be in community, to love one another, to hang out. We need human connection more than we need anything else. It was misplaced fear. Fear is a good thing. Every, you were made, wired by God to feel fear as long as the object of your fear is correct. So what does the devil do? Instead of, the devil cannot, you know that God is the only creator. God is the only being in the universe that can actually create. Okay, have you ever tried to, like think about trying to make a new color. Like a a brand new one that no one's ever seen before. You guys remember like, Crayola crayons, remember those? All you young people, crayons are these little sticks of colored wax and you actually press them on a piece of paper and it leaves a mark of that color. That's called coloring, that's what that is. It's not, you know, digital painting on your iPad with your finger, that's, we, that's what we used to do, we would color. And you used to have like, they'd have, you know, like I think like Crayola 18 packs that had 18 colors. And it was like red, blue, green. But then they had these crazy like 128 boxes. Remember those? And then like the colors just got so crazy. Like there's one that was like macaroni and cheese. And I was like, this is not a new color. This is, this is just orange and you added a little bit of yellow to it. Okay, you're not making new colors. We, can't, we cannot create. It's interesting to think about that in, in Western music, there's only 12 notes. A, A sharp, B, C, C sharp, D, it goes all the way up to G sharp, there's only 12 notes. Every single song you hear, all of my really, really sad songs on my Spotify playlist are just arrangements of those 12 notes. That's all there is, 12 notes. You can't create a new note. We can just arrange what God has already made. Creative people are just really great arrangers of the creative, of the raw materials that God has given us to work with. We cannot create. Only God can create. The devil cannot create. So what the devil does is he perverts, he twists, he takes things that God made and pulls them into a way that is not God-centered. Okay? So God, God made the concept of fear. Very healthy, natural thing for you to fear things that are dangerous to you. Very natural. So what does the devil do? He makes you fear the wrong things. That's all the devil can do is try to pull you into fearing the wrong things instead of the right things. Okay, all that set up. So what are the right things to fear? I'm glad you asked. You're very inquisitive. I'm going to tell you right now. Come with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. It's going to be on the screen, but if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12, this is Jesus speaking, okay? I'm going to read what Jesus says that, that gives us insight on what we should fear and how we should fear. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, Jesus speaking. He says, and I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you should fear. 
Fear him who, after he has killed, has the power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of of your head are all numbered, even if that number is zero. (laughs) Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. And so this is that exact principle Jesus is teaching. He's saying, don't fear the wrong things. Don't fear man, fear God. Fear the Lord, and that's what we're gonna talk about. So three quick points. What, point number one, the object of our fear is meant to be God. And we, you read this over and over and over again in the Bible, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Now listen to me. It's not being afraid of God. You're not scared of God. The concept of the fear of the Lord, the best I've ever heard it said is somebody said, it's to be terrified of being without him. That's what it means, the fear of the Lord. When you recognize your own deficiency, his all-sufficiency, that without him is 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 a terrifying possibility. That's what it means to, in a very healthy way, to fear the Lord. And that's what Jesus is teaching. He says, don't worry about, you know, man, when when the the worst thing that can happen to you is, is, is you can die. Instead, you should be worried about an eternity without the God that made you. Fear God. And it's, again, it's the exact same thing we saw in Exodus chapter 20. Jesus saying the exact same thing. Do not fear men, but instead fear God. Point number one, the object of our fear is meant to be God Almighty. It's the terrifying concept of being without him. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Okay, so the object of our fear, again, remember, fear is good. It's healthy. You're meant to fear. You're wired to fear. But what you should fear is the prospect of being without the God that made you because that is the greatest danger. Just like the spider in the burning building. That's the point, that the greatest danger you and I face is separation from the God that made us. And that's why, again, fear is a biological response to, that should be directed at the greatest threat to you. And the greatest threat to you and the greatest threat to me is to be apart from the God that made us. And that's why God says, fear me, fear the Lord. You're made to fear, you're wired to fear as long as the object of your fear is correct. The object of our fear is God. We are meant to fear the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Point number two, the reason for our fear. Why? I mean, well, again, I, I broke that down a little bit. The, the negative side of it is, be, is because fear is a, is a biological response that keeps you from danger. But turns out the Bible tells us that there's an amazing positive spin to the fear of the Lord. Now, these aren't going to be on the screen. There's no way you're going to be able to flip to them. I'm just going to just paint a quick picture. These are all Bible verses. I want you to just buckle your seatbelt and hang on for a second. Job 28, verse 28. And to man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15, 33, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom and before honor comes humility. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be shortened. Proverbs 14, 27, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life so that one may sleep satisfied, untouched by evil. Proverbs 14, 26, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. Proverbs 15, 16, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure. Psalm 112, verse one, praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Psalm 128, verse one, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Psalm 128, four, behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. Psalm 34, seven, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. So why fear the Lord? Anybody see a pattern? Pattern emerging? When we fear the Lord, we get wisdom, we get blessing, we get better sleep. That's what it says. We get protection, we get provision. All of that stems from fear of the Lord. Fear doesn't just keep you, fear of the Lord doesn't just keep you from the danger of being without him. It also ushers you in to great blessing and to the great promises of God. The fear of the Lord has driven Katie and I everywhere we've gone. And it's really, you know, have you ever heard of FOMO? It's an acronym for all of you older people. It means fear of missing out, FOMO. Fear of missing out. It is a real fear. My wife is the greatest sufferer of FOMO ever. If she sees anyone anywhere on earth having fun and she's not there, it's like soul crushing to her. FOMO. We, really our entire life has been driven by FOMO of the things of God, of the fear of missing out on all that God has for us. FOMO. So years ago, this is, we were first coming to the church, this would have been probably nine years ago now, um, we, we were, you know, it, Katie tells the story a, a lot less delicately than I do, but it took me a little longer to warm up to the concept of church. Katie would phrase it a little more aggressively. But she was coming to church and I was like, hey, you know what, nah, I'm good. I would literally ride my bike to a sports bar and drink beer and watch the Dallas Cowboys play while my wife was at church. That's where your pastor started. I am the product of a praying spouse. She would pray for me every week, would go to connect group without me, and finally I came around and went to church and the rest is history. Um, but we were just really getting into church and I was just really beginning to see, like so many of you, I'm, we, could, we could go around this room and, and almost all of you, I'm sure, and the ones that don't, it's just because you're new here, would have these stories of how this church has, has changed your life and, and, and we were, we were, that was the very beginning for us. We were starting to really fall in love with this church and, and learning so many new things and I was also in school. We, the reason we came to San Diego was we moved from Dallas, Texas to here so that I could do my, my PhD in structural engineering at UC San Diego and so I was in the middle of my, my graduate work and I got to go to Florence, Italy on um, a 
structural assessment thing in Florence. And it was like all paid for. It was like, the, I was literally like, I am God's favorite child. He loves me more than everybody else. It was amazing. It was super fun. I got to meet this professor there named Maurizio Saracini, who is the um, world expert on authenticating Renaissance art. And got to know this man. We really connected, and um, and he invited me to be a part of this startup company he was starting. And you got to remember, I'm, I was a lot younger. I was ten years younger, like just kind of starting my career. And this amazing, world-renowned expert on Renaissance art comes to me and says, "Hey, I want to invite you to be a part of this startup that we're doing." And it was using science to authenticate Renaissance art. We had a an office in Luxembourg. I was going to be traveling back and forth, and I'm like. 26 years old, just like, this, I, I've, I've done it. I have hit the jackpot. This is the coolest job in the history of all mankind. And I literally was just like, Katie knows. It was the most, I could not have been, felt more blessed to have this opportunity. The great problem was this stinking church. Because I was also falling desperately in love with God and his church. And this opportunity was going to have me half of the time in Europe and half of the time here. And so Katie, Katie remembers, it was one of the hardest decisions as a young man, and I laid that down. And I walked away from that business to say yes to what I didn't know. I didn't even know what my yes meant at the time, but I had a very healthy FOMO. I had a very healthy fear of missing out on what God was calling me to. And now, nine years later, I am living the best life that I couldn't ever have even have imagined for myself. Because fear of the Lord has driven us. Fear of missing out on what he has for us. That's the reason we fear. Because it pushes you away from danger and into blessing and favor. Dreams being realized. It's just, it's just amazing. And again, I'm not, I hope this doesn't come off pretentious and, and sound like I'm telling you how great my life is, and that's, it is, it's awesome, but it's my life. Maybe if you were living my life, you wouldn't like it, and that's fine. But even dreams of mine that I had laid down years and years ago, when Katie and I met, my only aspiration in life was to move to Nashville and be a songwriter. I started my career in music. I was a touring guitar player for Texas country is its own little country music circuit. It's a little weird and whatever, but that's what I did when Katie and I met. I was a touring guitar player, and all I wanted in life was to move to Nashville and be a songwriter, but then I fell in love with my wife and um, knew that wasn't the life that I wanted to build. I wanted to build a legacy and be a, be a patriarch, and, and just touring around drinking whiskey and smoking cigarettes, turns out, is just not really conducive for being a spiritual leader, I guess, so... So I laid all that down. I left my, my dreams of music. I moved out here, became an engineer. But how crazy is it that 10 years later, Pastor Jurgen came to me and said, hey, I really feel that it's time for our church to begin to produce original music, and it lit a fire in me. And so the, the, the music that our church uh, produces, we've produced a, an eight-song project called Lionheart and then a brand-new uh, full-length album called Move of Heaven. I got to executive produce and be the head songwriter on that music. And I'm not telling you that for you to be impressed by me because I know me. I'm actually really unimpressive. But it's the fear of the Lord 
It's the FOMO, the fear of missing out. It has driven Katie and I to be as close as we can to him. And listen, I am, I am, again, I know me. I am so far from perfect, it's scary sometimes that you let me be your pastor. But what I can say is that we fear the Lord, that it drives us to, 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 to learn more about him, to be close to him, and it has pushed us away from danger and into favor and blessing. That's the reason we fear. And lastly, point number three, the outworking of our fear. What does it practically look like to fear the Lord? I don't wanna just give you this ethereal idea about fear and fearing the Lord and, and not give you just some, some practical ways to grow in the fear of the Lord. I'm gonna give you three. One just literally came to me right now. So it was two, you're getting a third bonus one. Number one, learn about God. My fear of bears, I remember exactly when it started. I was in Big Bend National Park, which is, if you guys know, the state of Texas has two panhandles. There's the, the rectangle one at the top where Amarillo is, and then there's the west panhandle where El Paso and Juarez. There's a national park. Almost that entire western panhandle of Texas is a national park called Big Bend National Park. It's the largest national park in the country because everything really is bigger in Texas. And I went on a hiking trip there. And so I was young. This was years before I even met Katie. This was years ago. And, uh, I, you know, I was young and tough and fearless and just thought, and was there with friends and we were hiking and we were up on this trail walking up um, uh, the, the highest mountain in Texas. I think it's called Emory Peak or something like that. And as we're on our way up the trail, we, we come around and there's this family of black bears, okay? Not even, those aren't even the scary bears, okay? The, the, the black ones are all right. I'm okay with them. You know, I'm still scared. It's the brown ones that they freak me out, okay? But this was the, the black bears. And we, we stumbled across this family of black bears, and they were probably from me to, to the back of the room. And, and again, I just was fearless and just like, oh, and I was with buddies, and so of course I wanted to be the tough guys, like, let's see how close we can get to them, you know? And so we started kind of easing our way up to them. And, and then something happened up the mountain, like a, a, a rock fell or a twig snapped or something, and it was a, a loud sound, and it scared them. And so they took off running, not towards me, away from me, but that was the moment because I realized that bears can go from zero miles an hour to 20 miles an hour in half a second. This big lumbering creature that just walks around like this literally just went bam. And I realized in that moment, if this thing wants to get me, it's gonna get me. I have, there is no way I'm out running this thing. I'm not out climbing this thing. And because I learned about bears, because I learned and saw their capabilities, it produced fear in me, a very healthy fear that keeps me safe in the forest with bear spray or a firearm of some kind. Okay. I, don't, I don't avoid the forest, I just go prepared, okay? Because I have a healthy fear of bears. You grow in the fear of the Lord by learning about him. By, by the true nature of his power being revealed to you. Learn about him. Read the book that he wrote. Learn about him and you will grow in a very healthy, responsible fear of the Lord. Second, take 
radical steps of faith. And I want you to think for a second. This one seems a little counterintuitive. I want you to think about um, Peter stepping out of the boat to walk on water. So if you guys know the story, Peter's in the boat with the other disciples. They see what they think is a ghost walking on the water towards them. And they're all freaked out. And, and he's, Jesus says, hey, don't worry, it's me. And then Peter, of course, being Peter, oh, yeah, if it is, then tell me to walk out to you. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what did I say? Why did I do that? What did I do? And Jesus says, all right, you know, come on. And I want you to think about the moment where Peter actually takes that first step, one foot in the boat, one foot on the water, and it's like, oh, my. And then actually the only non-God human to ever walk on the water, and Peter is actually taking steps on the surface of the water, because of his step of faith, it put him in a position where he was so deeply reliant on the sustenance of God. He needed the power of God to hold him up. The minute he began to doubt it and he saw the wind and the waves, he began to sink and was terrified because he needed the Lord. And the Bible says that Jesus reached down and picked him up and said, why did you fear? When you take radical steps of faith, you put yourself in a position where you have to depend on God and it produces a very healthy fear in you. If you wanna grow in the fear of the Lord, take steps of faith. When he speaks to you to do something, to, to step out in faith for a business, to whatever it is. When you take, and listen, my wife and I, we just moved um, a couple months, a month ago, six, I don't know, it all blends together now at this point. Six weeks ago, maybe, I don't know, whatever. Moved into a, a new house in Coronado, and it's a, a massive financial stretch for us. And I'm the main, you know, breadwinner in our home. And so I really, I feel that pressure. And there was, if I would be lying to you, if I said that there was not a couple of months leading up to moving into this home where I was stressed out and just desperately needing God to show up in our finances to, to, and, and, and I, I knew that God wouldn't have brought this house to us just to just to fail and, and, and you know, not be able to, to pay for it. But that step of faith, it would have been so easy to, to it was, it's a, a huge step forward for us financially. It would have been so much easier to not take that step of faith, to, to, to find something that, that I was in my own strength comfortable in. But because of that radical step of faith, it put me in a position where we had to trust the Lord. Taking radical steps of faith will produce in you more and more healthy fear of the Lord. And lastly, if you wanna grow in the fear of the Lord, get around other people who fear the Lord. I say it as often as I can. We have prayer meetings that meet every single week. Our men's prayer meeting happens Tuesday at 5.30 in the morning. Ladies, you guys meet at seven. If you want to grow in fear of the Lord, get to our prayer meetings. You will be around people that believe better than you. I don't know any other way to say it. That's why I love being around Marco Contreras. Pastor Marco, it's crazy. I mean, you know, he, he has more faith than me, if I was honest, and I'm the pastor. And I love being around him. I love being around Marco because his faith is infectious. I want to be around people that are the men that I want to be. And it's really hard 
It's actually a lot harder than you think. And a lot of you know this story, but years ago, I, I prayed this very, 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 very scary prayer. If you're, you gotta be really brave to play the, pray this. And I wasn't actually brave, I was ignorant. I didn't realize what this prayer meant. Now I'm just warning you, it's a very scary prayer. It's probably one of the scariest prayers you can pray. And it's, Lord, put me around people that are further along than me. In whatever area, in business, in faith, in husbandry, in parenting. Sounds simple, sounds very benign. It's very dangerous. Because you will find when you're around people that are the man you want to become, that the devil will hit you with discouragement like you have never felt before. And you will, he will illuminate left and right all the things you're not and all the things that they are. It's a very scary prayer to, to pray that God would put you around people that are who you want to become. But there is no accelerator in life like being around powerful people. And so I wanna challenge you to get to our prayer meetings be around people that are, are men and women of faith, that know how to declare, that know the, the word of God, that know how to, to, to fear the Lord in, a, in an appropriate, healthy way. Can somebody say amen? Well, as we come to a close, I wanna just, um, I wanna ask you, do you fear the Lord? And it's not, it's not binary, it's not yes or no. It, it, there is a, it's a, you can fear the Lord a little bit. You can fear the Lord not at all, but you can also fear the Lord a lot. It's a, it's a continuum, it's a scale. And maybe there's some of you in here that aren't, aren't walking with God. You're actually, the Bible says that, that the wages of sin is death. That disobedience from uh, from the way that God has designed the universe, which by the way, is for your flourishing. God did not set up um, principles and precepts to rob you of joy. He actually designed things in a way that produces human flourishing. But when we don't walk according to those principles, when we make other things ultimate. That's what sin is. You know, in, in our modern culture, you know, it's like, it's the word sin has become almost like a kind of snicker at it, you know, like, and, and people think it just means like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And, and that's not the biblical definition of sin is just to make anything more ultimate than God. That's it. And it could be great things. My, I am obsessed with my kids. I have the greatest kids in the world. I love my kids. They are a gift from God. But if I make them ultimate, if I derive my value, my meaning, who I am as a human being from my kids, then the Bible would say that that's misguided worship, that I have made an idol out of my children. And the very first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. Even though kids are a great thing, your success, your job, your whatever, that's a great thing. God wants you to be in the marketplace and to crush and do amazing things. But if you derive your identity, if all that you are as a human being is tied up in what you do, and if that were to, for whatever reason, go away, then you would be leveled, you would be nothing, you would be nobody. It's misguided worship. It's idolatry. You have broken the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me, even though it's a good thing. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ came to this earth, fully man, fully God, 
died on a cross in our place, died the death that you and I deserve, was raised from the dead so that you and I, if we put our belief in him, put our faith in him, that he really is who he says he is, really did what, he, what the Bible says he did, that we will be saved. John 3, 16, the most famous Bible verse in the world, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. I'd love it to just bow your heads and close your eyes here for one second as we come to a close. And if you're in here today and you're not walking with God, you've never actually adopted a healthy fear of God that just says, God, I'm, I'm terrified to do life without you anymore. I've been, I've been trying on my own. I've been trying on my own strength. I've tried to, maybe, maybe it's an addiction that you just can't break. Maybe it's, you know, mental anguish. Maybe it's despair or loneliness or anxiety or depression. You've tried everything, but, but you're disconnected from the God that made you and he's calling you back to him today. I wanna to give you an opportunity to believe in him. And it's very simple. I'm just gonna walk you through a very, very simple prayer. That's, that's what it looks like. It's to pray a prayer of belief. And the Bible says that you will be saved. That's the beginning of the fear of the Lord. And so if you're in here today and maybe, maybe you've, you've never walked with God, never, never feared him in a healthy way. Maybe, maybe you did long ago. Maybe you grew up in church and have fallen away, slipped away, whatever. But you know that God's calling you back to him today. Then this is for you. And here's what we're gonna do. In a second, I'm gonna count to three. And if you know that that's you, God's knocking on the door of your heart, then I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand up so I know who I'm praying with. So every head bowed, every eye closed, on the count of three, if that's you, one, two, three. Awesome, I see that hand right there, I see that hand, I see that hand, great. Who else needs to make that decision today? I see that hand, amazing. Once I've seen it, you can go ahead and put it down. Who else? Awesome, so beautiful. Come on, there's about three or four of you that raise your hand. Can we give God a big round of applause? Go ahead and hop to your feet. So amazing. Here's what we're gonna do. Just there in your seats, I'm gonna walk you through a very, very simple prayer. And I want you just to repeat after me. And everybody in, in the entire building is gonna pray this prayer alongside of you so you don't feel like you're doing it alone. So come on, everybody in the building, let's pray this prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for sending Jesus on a rescue mission to save me. Today I declare that my sins are forgiven, heaven is my home, God is my father, and I am his child. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Come on, one more time. Give God a great shout of praise. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.